Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We thank you, Lord, that that your throne is merciful to all who humble themselves and come there. We can always find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And Lord, when don't we need you? We just need you all the time. There are times we need you and aren't even aware of it. And you make us so aware that you're there for us to comfort us, love us, encourage us, teach us, lead us and guide us. What more could we want? We thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Praise God. So we had a wonderful time uh, last Saturday. Amen. <laughs> Sharing Christ with people. And uh, I think we found a spot where we can uh, do some work for God. Amen. And it's just good. And uh, it's just wonderful to do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, that gives us great joy and, and purpose. So uh, as far as I know, we'll we'll go back out next is it next Saturday? When's the second Saturday? Is it next Saturday, second Saturday? Okay, so sorry I didn't give you more notice, but it's coming up kind of quick. So I was, as long as the weather's good, I would like for us to do two Saturdays per month because we, we're fed all the time, but they, those people are hungry all the time. You know, they don't know where to go. I, I'm, I'm more, more knowing what Jesus felt like because when he, he wanted to feed the multitudes, and he says they were all scattered like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. There's so many people out there without a shepherd, just and even more now that they've been putting pressure on churches not to open up and not to have as many people, and uh, it causes sheep to get scattered, and and they God wants to gather them back again. He doesn't want his people out there without food and without direction without love and encouragement he wants all of his people to have what we all have you know and so uh, he's no respecter of persons so i think it's only fitting that we we do <clears throat> what we can to share christ with people and and uh you know it just always encourages me that when people reach out for prayer and the looks on their faces you know after you prayed for them and sometimes god will well, if you let the Holy Spirit use you, there's something in that prayer that strikes a chord with them where they know God has has met them and he knows their need and he's willing to meet that need. So that's the beauty part of it. God knows everything and uh, we can depend on him to meet us there at that point of ministry. So uh, so I think we'll we'll be OK as long as the weather holds out. We'll we'll do this and and reach a lot of people, reach as many as we can for as long as we can. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And of course, you know, you you reach people on your own when you're not with church. But it's always good to let people know that God has sent people for them, you know, so praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, how to come closer and be healed. Uh, people, we need to be close to the Lord to receive things from him. Amen. That's why he shed his precious blood to draw us close to him. Amen. There's a, a sin puts a distance between us and God. There's uh, there's a, a no touch clause <laughs> and, and it's good. It's a mercy of God on our part uh, because he can't touch us in his holy state without doing some harm to us. So we have to just draw closer and closer to him. Uh, but now that he dwells in us, it's voluntary on our part to make 
the initial um, move, you know, to move toward God. Uh, so there's no reason anymore for us not to be close to him, even though we may have been accustomed to knowing God at a distance. Uh, there's so many things that uh, will will kind of interfere with that closeness uh, that God needs to have with us so that he can reveal himself and reveal all of the things he wants to reveal to us. Number one, we have to give him time and attention, you know, and that's <laughs> that's where people tend to miss it. Uh, they want everything real quick or want it on the fly or want it in the time that they feel they can uh, spend with God. But God is the one who determines what how much time is needed for different things. You know, we can't determine those things and we certainly can't tell him how to bless us, when to bless us. Any of that, we have to really spend some time in his presence and getting uh, comfortable with him, getting instruction, opening up our hearts to him. Uh, there is a process of, of um, relationship that that God has with us that is so, so similar to a courtship, you know, a natural human courtship. Uh, before I got married to my husband, I didn't get real close to him. In a lot of ways, you know, I didn't tell him a lot of stuff that was on my mind to tell him, you know, physically touching each other. You can't do a lot of that if you're not married, you know, even though you break them rules when you're ignorant, you know, you're in, you're in sin, you're in the world, you'll break those rules. But, you know, you just don't get real familiar with anybody too quickly, you know, so uh, it takes time. And so I think that's what sometimes we're lacking is the understanding that it takes time for us to start to understand God's ways and know uh, what it means to draw near to him uh, and and allow him to draw near to us. Uh, that's in James chapter 4, verse 8. That's the first place I wanted to, to go because we really have to understand to 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 get success in life and to get uh, beyond uh, needing so much uh, all the time, to get into a place of peace where we know that all our needs are met and we have that security in God. We have that um, uh, contentment like Paul talked about. He said, I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in, uh, no matter what condition I'm in, I'm in a jail, I'm in a prison, wherever I am, I'm getting flogged by somebody, they're taking me to court, whatever, I've learned to be content. So it's a learning process uh, that we are going through every day that we're here on earth. It's not that we know as much as we need to know ever, amen, uh, we're still learning. And so in, in every day is a learning process if, if we'll stay attentive uh, to what God is saying and what he's doing. So in James chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. One translation says he'll run in terror. So he's really scared of us when we submit to the Lord. And he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So whenever you extend yourself to God in worship, you know, if you lift your hands, you'll feel the touch of the Holy Spirit on those hands where he is drawing near to you as you draw near to him. Uh, that's relationship. Amen. That's part of knowing God. 
God, if I draw near to you, you will not resist me. You will not cast me out. Amen. And and uh, he won't reject us if we we make that first step. You know, it's not like people sometimes you ever meet somebody and and you 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 want to uh, uh, you feel led to just shake a hand or embrace them and then you stop because you don't know how that's going to be received. Now, I don't know about you, but it happens to me, you know, or you, you think, well, maybe they won't understand or, you know, there's always some confusion about reaching out to people, touching people, connecting with people. Amen. But God's the only one who guarantees I won't push you back. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So he wants to come close to us and he wants to be our God our maker, creator, our lover, our friend, all of that. He wants to be all those things to us. And it says to him, it says also, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen. So it's about coming clean before God, allowing God to have that pure relationship with you. You know, if there's something that, that's not right between you and somebody else, everything you do towards God will have a doubt to it. You know, it'll have a, a drawback. It'll have an insecurity, not sure. When that happens, you cleanse yourself. God, you know, uh, you know, I shouldn't even be trying to get so close to you. I've got this in my heart against so-and-so. Or you'll start to draw near and you'll think about that thing. So, oh God, please forgive me. That's, you know, that's between me and you because I want nothing to hinder. You paid for me to draw near to you so you could draw near to me. And I want that relationship. And if I'm the one who's hindering it and that's the only thing it could be, amen, let me get that straight right now. I don't want to hinder my relationship with you at all. And it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen. So let the word start to dwell richly in your heart. Let yourself meditate on the goodness of God. When you get in his presence, start to take on his mind and take on his thoughts and take on his, his what he says about you. Amen. Get your mind into it. Get your heart into it. Get all, get, get your whole being into it. Amen. And don't be so double-minded. Well, I should be here and I should, or I, I'm going to, I'm going to worship God for 15 minutes because then after that I got to do so and so and such and such. Hell, that twisting in our minds, you know, just put that aside and let that go and, and just plunge in to the depths of God and draw near to him. And, and he will definitely draw near to you. It says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Amen. And so when we think about drawing near to God, it includes all of those attributes, all of those requirements that we have a sober mind, that we come to him on his terms, not on our terms, but on his terms. Amen. And that is to humble ourselves, put aside uh, the weights, the Bible says, and the sin that so easily besets us. You know, you can you can start thinking the wrong way and all of a sudden your mind, you're drifting off onto something that God is not pleased with. And so we we have to really give it give it some effort, you know, to stay close to God 
And it says, if you humble yourselves, he will lift you up. And that's the best part about that. If we can stay humble before God, he elevates us to his place, to where he is. Amen. When it says lift you up, it means lift up your spirits, lift up your countenance, lift up your outlook, lift up your your behavior. Everything is elevated to a higher spiritual level level because we have humbled ourselves to him. We put aside what we want. We put aside what we think is so important. We put aside all those things. Even though you may be coming to him in prayer with a need for at least the initial part of the the, the relationship, put that aside and focus on worshiping him. Focus on his goodness. Focus on his his love for you and all that he's done for you and begin to thank him and bless his name and honor him and lift him up. And so if we, if we uh, exalt him, he will exalt us in due season. We humble ourselves to him. He will lift us up. He will elevate us in due season. And so I think it's good to stay humble to God. It's good to stay in that place where he can always find you, you know, and he, he knows you'll be there. Amen. And, and it's, it's good to have a regular appointment with God. It, it's good to walk with God like Enoch did. He never disconnected from God. He just sought, you know, if he felt himself getting away from God, he went and made a sacrifice and got back in and drew God near to him again, you know, as his friend, as somebody he didn't want to leave his side. And so, uh, that's a good place to be. It really, really is. It's good to, have continual fellowship with God. It's good to have him as your companion, the one you seek after. He's the one your heart longs for. Your heart's not longing for all this stuff that's going to be left down here. Amen. Your heart's not even longing that much for friends and family members, but your heart really longs for the Lord. It's it's just you're not complete without that living contact with him and so this is what we need to put first you get that straight and then he'll add everything to you amen he just adds stuff to us and you know what i think if you let him add it it's right if you try to go after it you'll mess it up so it's just good to to just let patience work in you and let god uh know that you're there that you you long for him and you appreciate him. All those things we can, we need to do. And that's, that's what drawing closer to him really means. Appreciating who he is, appreciating, um, what he's done, the sacrifice he made. He loves us best because he gave his son up to get us. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing. It's just so amazing. So, so these things, you know, you know, they can be put into practice. Your appreciation for all that he's done can be put into practice if we'll just draw close to him. Start telling him how much you appreciate everything he's done, you know, and, and, and how he's allowed you to walk with him without failure. I mean, think of all the people that don't go to church anymore that don't think about God too much anymore, that don't worship him, and, and you're still here. You see what I'm saying? You're still worshiping him. You haven't given up on what he's called you to do. You're still still in there plugging away, you know, as they say. And so, uh, and that's the grace of God. You know, you you have found some mercy somewhere that's allowed you to continue with him, you know. 
Uh, that's a wonderful thing. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, I look at people who have been more prominent than myself, more well known, and and they they've walked away from God at at times. You know, and now they're trying to get back. You know, and I say, God, I thank you. I mean, I'm not judging that person, but I thank you that that I make I remain consistent. That's important to me, not to have failed you in any way. You know what I'm saying? So these things are are important. You know, they're important to God as well. And it's just his grace that keeps us going, folks. I'm not trying to take any credit for anything except being determined not to fail God. That's one thing you got a purpose in your heart to do. You've got to be determined not to fail him in any way and not let things and all of that stuff get in the way of your relationship, your honest relationship and drawing near to him. So it's a good thing to to keep that in mind. Ephesians 2.13 tells us that it's because of his blood that we're able to draw near. Amen. He says here, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. So he's talking about doing away with the law, doing away with the Old Testament, doing away with the things that put enmity between the Gentile and the Jew, so to speak. And so he's done away with all of that, made us one person. So you can forget the law, you can forget all that stuff that you were weren't uh adequate you weren't a son of abraham all that kind of stuff because by faith the blood of christ has made us one amen anybody who receives jesus by faith is made one with him amen i was i was looking at the uh young woman Brittany griner and and we're praying for her because i mean if anybody looked lost and forlorn and confused she's the picture of it you know and I know she's she's not lived an exemplary life. Who has? Uh, we're all trying. You know what I'm saying? Um, she's away from the Lord, and and now it's confounded her. I mean, you can look at her face and see how confused and and forlorn she is. And I said, Jesus, you're the only one who can help her. You're the only one, you know, and, and I pray for her. You know, sometimes you look at people and they do things and you say, well, what do you expect? You did wrong. But it wasn't a time for that. I mean, you know, you look at her. I said, that's somebody's child. That's somebody's daughter, somebody's sister, aunt, cousin, friend, whatever. Uh, people care about her and God cares about her, you know, so, so we pray for her soul, we pray for her to come, God send somebody to witness to her, somebody tell her the truth about your love for her, and your desire to forgive her, and so, you know, we, we have to understand that everybody's made equal at the foot of the cross, everybody's got to meet God there, that's where you meet him, and then we draw near to him, because his shed blood cleanses us, as we bow down and worship him, as we submit ourselves to him, his shed blood then cleanses us and allows us to be close to him. And that closeness will change you. 
I don't care who you are. Close to God will definitely change you. So the blood means that there's nothing held against us. It is the great equalizer. It's the one thing that will bring us all on a, a level playing field, on an equal footing before God. It's the one thing that will help everybody, help us all to get closer to him. And so as we draw near, because that blood pays for the sin, that pays for the distance, it, it pays for the separation. And allows us to come close as we trust in what Jesus has done for us. That blood payment is, is, is enough to, to every time you call on him, he's right there. Every time you need him, he, he can't say no to you. Amen. It's a wonderful thing about God. He binds himself into his promises so that he can't refuse us. Amen. His word it says that he will never leave us or forsake us. So he's tied and tethered to us. As long as we're reaching out to him and drawing near, he must draw near to us. And, and he wants to. Uh, that's where he, why he binds himself to his word. He wants to do these things. He's not standing off like we got to do something to make him want us. He's already said he wants us and he doesn't lie. He can't lie. Amen. And so he wants us close to him. He's paid the price for us to be there. Amen. And he paid it willingly and he paid it gladly. He was, he was, he, he was full of joy knowing that we would be uh, drawn back to him and, and the ransom would be paid for our souls that we could get free to be, we can be free just as he is free. Amen. That's a great thing. You know, I mean, God is God and he loves us and uh, but he wants us to to share in his life, wants us to have the same things he has. Amen. And that's why he did all of this. He didn't do this for us, him to be high up and us to be down low. He did it to raise us up with him. Amen. Cause us to sit together with him in the heavenly places far above the devil. And his bunch and his lies and his torment and all of the stuff that he's doing is witchcraft, is abortion and baby killing. We're far above all of that. Amen. Far above it. And it's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing to be elevated with God. Amen. So um, <clears throat> our forefathers, Adam and Eve, were cast out of God's presence because of disobedience. But now as we obey Christ, we're brought near to him because of his blood because of his shed blood so we are on a road to becoming one with god permanently but as we as we walk and travel this road we get closer and closer to him if we will draw near to him amen and pay the price for walking with him you know there's a a price to pay you have to forsake some things in order to get some other things amen you know, all these people, people will tell you things like this. You know, the bodybuilders will tell you, oh, you, you gotta have protein drinks and you can't eat this. You gotta forsake some stuff. You know, if you want to look like him, you gotta do what he say do. Amen. So you gotta, you gotta forsake some things. You gotta let go of some things in order to have some better things. Amen. And, and so that's the way it is with God. It's just normal to require people to make some sacrifices, to do some things. One of the things that we have to forsake is following our own way. Amen. 
uh, Proverbs uh, 3, uh, 4 says to uh, um, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Amen. When when we come into the knowledge of God, we've already said yes to Christ, to everything. You know, this this situation of, you know, oh, God's been dealing with me to let go of this. Listen, if you haven't let go already, when are you going to let go of stuff? I mean, <laughs> come on now. It might be a challenge for you, but that's when you cry out to him for his help. Amen. If it's something that that is standing between you and and Jesus and and you know what that is, all you have to do is say, Lord, I renounce that and I let go of it. And if I'm struggling here, you are my help. I expect you to help me and I'm looking forward to you helping me to do the right thing. That's how we get better. Amen. That's how we draw closer by not having so many things in the way. You know, so many uh, needs and wants and I got to haves and, and uh, you know, if I don't get, it's going, you know, I can't do, you know, all of those are things that stand between our relationship with him. And, and, and most of them are unbelief. You know, we don't believe we're delivered. We don't believe we're free. We don't believe a lot of things that, that God says about us. And, and so we kind of cling to a lot of things and habits and so forth that really aren't pleasing to God. And so when we come into that situation where, you know, I could spend more time with God if, you know, uh, get rid of the if and start asking him to help you. You know, if it's really going to be beneficial to your relationship to do these things. Now, now make sure that God is is behind these things, because sometimes people are guessing. Well, if, if I just did this more, you know, my life with God would be better. Or if I did this more, it would be better. Just learn how to flow with God. Learn how to let him call the shots. Learn how to let him and find out what it is that you're after. Are you you after closeness? Are you after revelation? You're after comfort. You're after knowledge. You're after purity. You're after victory. What are you after when you when you seek God and and deal with Him in those things? Talk to Him about Him. Get in His Word where they're concerned and and learn to build up your faith about Him and and let God see your faith on a regular basis. Amen. But when Jesus called people, He had two words to tell them. Those two words were follow me. Amen. Just wherever I'm going, you follow me. In Luke 18, it's interesting the the responses that Jesus got. Usually he followed it with a promise. He never told anybody to follow him to their destruction or follow him to their demise or follow him and, and not get anything out of it. Amen. Because following Jesus is a pretty tall order, you know. I mean, it's worth it for those of us who who do love him and and understand. But to people who are just getting to know things, you know, what does that mean? And and so he says, uh, um, he's talking to this young man, the rich young ruler. In verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why do you call me good? None is good save one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. 
do not kill do not steal do not bear false witness honor your father and your mother and he said all these i have kept from my youth up and jesus said now well there's heard these things now when jesus heard these things he said to him you lack one thing one thing you lack it's always the most important thing amen see the one thing we lack brings us over into a better covenant we can do all the normal necessary routine christian things i go to church i work in the church i have a little job i give my offerings i give tithes i give to the poor i do all of these things i treat my parents well treat my family well there's always something we lack to get closer to him there's always something we can give up that's more dear to us see it's like the 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 widow's might that's always kind of perplexed people about how these people who give so much i mean look at what their money does to help the church and help the work of the ministry and and they're all giving and and all of that and in this big temples being built and they're all proud of it and all of that good stuff but jesus told them that that the widow had given more than all of them why because what's what's what is it what's the reflection where is your heart reflected i guess i should say it that way um what what reflection does your giving put on where your heart is how does that explain where your heart is and so these people who were giving large sums were giving out of what they had left over given out of their excess this lady gave out of her need she says i have nobody but god and i'm going to put in all that i have and that put everybody else to shame because there was everybody that walked past and gave something had a lot left over she was the only one who had nothing left over amen and so it's these heart things that god is after why is he after our hearts because it belongs to him number one but your heart the desires of your heart can get you in good with god or it can get you in trouble amen if your desires are are toward the world and material things in this realm that we live in they are are subject to get you in some trouble if they're not checked and if they're not put in check and how does god put our, our our carnal desires in check well number one he tells us to ask him see instead of running off buying everything you think you want why not pray about it and ask god to well, that don't make sense to me because i could just go buy stuff yeah that's the problem amen can be a problem you know i can remember thinking to myself god i'd be a lot better off if i let you tell me when to go shopping it just came to me one time you know i could get better things i could do better i could feel better about my spending i could get more on track with what you want me to do with my money with my time all of that and so i can remember there were there were seasons where i would just not be interested see it's one thing when you if you're trying to struggling to get rid of it yourself 
it's another thing if you let God have it. Because if he has it, you're not going to be interested in doing anything. You just you can go months and months at a time without a whole lot of anything. And the one thing he knew I, I, I wanted to do was I wanted to have something somewhat new when we had a conference. You know, because, I mean, it, there was nothing wrong with the things I, I wore from from meeting to meeting. But I, that was just a desire of my heart. And I let him have that. And he always let me get whatever I, I felt I wanted. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not like the trade-off was was less than what I would have had. It was always more. And then I was able to bless other people. I said, well, if I want something new, I think everybody wants something new. So, you know, we do things like that. Those things are important. It's not about me all the time. See, when when you ask God to do a work in you and change you, he really does it. So then you start to enjoy other things. You start to let other people's joy be your joy. You know, and you don't have to, to shortchange anybody or shortchange yourself. God's got enough for all of his kids to look good and to, to dress well and everything. So it's not about there's not enough. I think when we give things over to God, they multiply and increase and there's more than enough for everybody. Amen. And we've never had to, we've never not made it to a conference. We've never not. Had everybody looking as good as they wanted to look, even though we work hard when we get there. You know, sometimes you take all them clothes and they hang the closet. Because <laughs> when you get to your room, all you do is fall in the bed and, and take a nap. And then you get up and just wash your face real quick or whatever and get out again. But but it's a blessing to be able to know the provision of God in all these different areas, you know, that we don't have to feel like we're lacking anything. We don't have to feel shortchanged. Just keep drawing closer to him. Let him work the work that he wants to work in you. Let him change you. He'll change your outlook. He'll change everything. So this young man had something else to do. There was something near and dear to his heart that would prohibit him from following the Lord. And he said, you lack one thing. He says, sell all you have, distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Why did he make him do all of that? Because he knows the minute he starts following him, he'll start worrying about his stuff. Jesus allows us to get rid of distractions to the relationship. Before we even get involved with him. Amen. Anything that's going to pull you away from him. This young man, you know, all the devil needs to do is start yanking this guy's chain about his stuff. You know, mess up his money for a little bit. In a hurry, he quit following Jesus and go chase his money. And Jesus said, anybody who, who once you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. You just got to keep looking, look at where you're going, looking at him, following him. And so this young man disqualified himself. And when he heard this in verse 23, he was very sorrowful because he was very rich. And God's kingdom is not of this world. You're going to have to part with this world's goods in the love of it at some point in order for you. Now, you know what I've heard? I've heard it says here. 
when Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, how hard hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? That's true. Rich people have a hard time humbling themselves to anything. And he says, for it's easier for a camel to go through the uh, needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when they heard it, they said, well, who can be saved? See, all the disciples are thinking carnal. And he says, the things that are impossible, that are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lord, we've left everything and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no man that has left house, parents or brethren, wife, children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. You got to get everlasting life first. Seek first his kingdom and let God add things to you. Amen. I remember somebody ministering on this scripture and they said, and I know that Jesus would have immediately given him back everything. Well, what's he doing? Teasing us? Why give it up if you don't experience what it is to live without it? And then follow him. And let him add it back in due season if he adds it back. You know, there are many people who come into the kingdom wealthy and let God have everything and could care less about getting it back. John G. Lake was a, a was very, very well off. I don't know if he had millions, but he was a very successful insurance salesperson. Then people have money because everybody wants insurance. You understand what I'm saying? And he gave all of that up. To go ahead and follow Jesus into Africa and all these different places, family members got sick and he lost them. He began to lose. You got me? As far as the natural would have, have thought. But, but then he, he thought nothing. Uh, you know, he gained Christ and that was everything to him. But you can't imagine what that's like on the, this side of obedience you got to cross over into that realm where you obey him and then you'll experience the kingdom you can't imagine what that's like sitting over here wondering about your stuff and thinking about stuff and all that kind of thing you'll only know what it's like to follow him if you fulfill those requirements that he gives you and just go and follow him one of one of the things that that i i vowed to god when i first understood i was called to the ministry i said well lord i don't i don't want to work a a secular job unless you want me to and i never worked a secular job there is and it it is not like i'm sitting around doing nothing and living a cush life you understand what i'm saying and i'm lazy that i'm not working it's just god needs people who are devoted to him to can give full time to study and prayer and answering people's problems and questions and all the things that it takes i mean just just be full time for god you know he needs people like that he's got too many people that are distracted by things you have people that that get wealthy off of one book god gives them to write you know god gives you a name he makes you prominent and then most of their time is spent trying to figure out how to manage their money and manage their wealth instead of studying prayer. You got me? And so the worldly 
aspect or the natural aspect of life can be a great distraction to those of us who are called to serve God. If you can get free to not have to have a secular job, that's wonderful. If you're a Christian, you're called to prayer, you're called to serve God, whatever it is. You know, everybody's got to be taken care of in the natural. But it's it's not something that God just gives us, you know. I remember there's some some people that I know had um, businesses, and God told them to hold on to their businesses after they got into ministry. You know, Normal Hayes was one of those persons. He knew how to make money very quickly, and he said once God, God got a hold of him, he made even more because he listened to God for the timing of doing certain deals or for what business to get into and what things to do. God became his business partner, and that made it easier for him, and Norval was able to preach full-time and manage these businesses on the side. But in a heartbeat, he would let any of it go if, if you know, God told him to do it. So there are some people who can manage great things with God. But there are some people that God calls to just live that life of devotion, that life that, that he wants them to, to have, so they can be on call for him, for whatever he wants them to do. I've never had to refuse to do anything for God because I didn't have time. I'll say it again. I've never refused to do anything for God because I didn't have time. See, that's what he gives you if you devote yourself to him. He gives you ample time to do everything he wants you to do. There was nothing I wanted more than to please God and to serve him the best way I knew how. You understand what I'm saying? That has to be in place before you can can really draw near to him. If there's stuff you want to do first, like this young man, he didn't want to give up his money. You know, others would, Jesus would tell him, follow me, I got to go bury my father. You know, everybody's got an excuse. And so he's got to use only people who are willing to drop what they're doing. You saw the disciples, it says, immediately they left their nets. And followed him. So the call requires an immediate response on everybody's part. Amen. There's no exceptions. There's nothing so important you can't you can't drop it and go and follow the Lord. You know you need him so badly. I'm telling you. So in Matthew chapter four, I think we see another. Thank you, Lord. Four verse what? Yeah, start in verse 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they right away left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two more brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, why is this important? The call of God, when God invites you, he expects you to respond right then. He doesn't expect you to say, well, let me think about it. Let me uh, know I'm busy right now. He wants people who anticipate him, 
who understand what it means to respond to the voice of God, who know what what the opportunity is for them and who are willing to let go and count as nothing, whatever they're leaving so that they can respond. But I always tell people the response to God must be immediate. He doesn't let anybody put him on hold. Amen. And he's waiting for, for to wait his turn in line. He's God. He's deserving of a re- immediate response. Amen. And that's the way he wants us to live. Always responding to him immediately. Always responding to him in the affirmative. And always allowing him to call the shots in the relationship. That's the other thing. You know, people get a little charge out of saying, well, this is how it is with me and God. And I'm thinking to myself, it couldn't be too different from anybody else. We, we follow him in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? They just always got to be different, exceptional, wonderful, whatever it is. And so, um, uh, in, in, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up this cross and follow me. Whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it profited if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so... What Jesus is saying here, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. See, once we get saved, we get this impression that, you know, everything can take forever. Or, you know, sometimes we get that from our, our lack of faith when we are expecting God to do things. We think it's on slow, on a slow motion or a slow boat. Amen. But immediately is the way God sees things. He sees them done now. He sees you with your stuff now. He sees you with your needs met now. And he also sees you responding to his invitation now. Amen. Which is a command. So Jesus said this in response to Peter, who when when Jesus was telling them that he was going to uh, uh, die, he had to suffer many things. And Peter told, oh, no, no, don't say that. No, no, no. You, You know, he didn't like that. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're not you're not on the same page that I am. See, you're looking at the things of the world. That's what you like. You savor the things of the world or of man and not the things that are of God. That's why he didn't want Jesus to die, because he's looking at if you die, what's going to happen to me? Amen. You'll be the better for it. Amen. You just don't know it yet. And so when we are looking at the things of the world, it's hard for us to see that it's going to be worth it. This this business about forsake things. Oh, forsake. Whoa, whoa, what does that mean? You know, it means I can't have stuff. I can't have no fun. I can't have nothing. Well, it just means forsake and then trust God to, to give you what you need. It's not that you're not going to have your needs met. They're going to be met by God, not by you for a change. You get to take a permanent vacation from worry, fear, trying to make ends meet. Amen. And they don't even greet, let alone meet. Huh? Right. Say what they, they say at the end of the month, you got more month than ends. 
definitely. So it, it, you know, it's a relief to have somebody say, just follow me and I'll show you how this works. I'll show you how I'm going to take care of you. I'll show you everything. You, but you got to follow me first. You can't look at that and run after me too. I got to have your full attention. <laughs> I like that about the Lord because then he can bless us fully. If we give him fully what he expects, then he can give us fully what we expect from him. He won't shortchange us ever. Amen. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, Matthew, does it Matthew 16 we did? Let's do one more. Matthew 19. As they walk with Jesus, he's still telling them to follow him. To give up what they're doing. Peter's already said it a few chapters before. Lord, we've given up everything. They said, "Mm, we'll see. (laughs) We'll come to something a little more challenging. Amen. So in Matthew 19, I think it's 20. Yeah, it's the rich one run a young ruler again. Sorry about that. We read that one, a similar one. But he tells him to sell all his possessions. And he says he walks away very sorrowful. So this man appears to have never followed the Lord, except, you know, that word and that command still follows his life. You know, that invitation is still open. Is it is it going to be what it would have been initially? We don't know. But somehow you don't think so. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's good to not play with the things of God, but it's also good to follow, finally submit to him. Amen. And so hopefully he reconsidered and understood what God was requiring and what he would receive from the Lord. Amen. And And he even promises whatever you give up, you get more in the end. Amen. You may not get it all at one time. So that it causes you to doubt going forward in God. You know, if that love of money is not, you know, uh, cleansed, cleansed out of our hearts and love of things and love of the world is not, you know, you got to go through some stuff sometime to get all that stuff out of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It isn't just like a a surgery where you lay down and get it cut out and it don't bother you anymore. The devil come back tempting you again and again and again. And so we we have to understand it's a process of trusting God, trusting. Once you find out you're rich in him, there's nothing, no price of anything on earth that's going to get you excited about things again. Amen. Now, many people have to get over the fear of lack. That's different, I think, than having a lust for things. See, fear of lack can can be conquered. Through the word, you can deliver yourself just through understanding the word of God. He'll provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory, not according to what you say you want or what you think, but according to his riches. He's got to be in charge. Amen. And you've got to trust him that he's going to treat you right, that he's going to bless you. He He knows what you like. And he knows what you need. And he wants to please you. Amen. God wants to please us. We have to get out of this mindset of, oh, I don't know if you, oh, well, is that too much? Is that too little? Is that, you know, whatever. Whatever fear that comes to our minds. Uh, Fear of lack 
you know, you, you, you can get delivered of it with the word and you can also get delivered of it, uh, through trusting God. You know, just trust every day. What is it that you desire? See, if, if we'll follow the patterns that God set for us, the Lord's Prayer is the greatest, one of the greatest prayers to get over fear of lack. But because you look at it, it says, every day, my daily bread. Amen. So if we know that every day he has a portion set aside for us, we'll never lack not one day. And we go to him every day and worship and adoration and love him and honor him and he'll provide for us. That can put a confidence in you where you never even think about where's it going to come from or how am I going to manage or what's it going to do or or how is it going to be, you know, how's it going to affect my life, whatever it is. You'll you'll get into that place where. There's a confidence in God that he loves me and he's provided for me richly. And all I have to do is continue to follow him. You know, there's more besides. There's more ahead. There's more in my future. There's more than abundance right now. And and then more to come. If Once we start thinking on that level that we cannot exhaust his greatness, his provision. It's out in a place where we can't see it. And that makes it exciting. You know, having to see everything to know that it's real. That's not how believers live. We live by faith. You don't know what's out in glory. You don't know how big it is. You don't know how great it is. You don't know how wonderful it is. You have no idea. And it's a good thing. Because if we find out, we start, well, I don't know if I like that or not, God. Just leave it to him. Amen. Leave it to him. So in the realm of healing, healing requires a revelation of God as Jehovah Rapha. And and it's the Lord that heals us, the Lord that heals me, not the Lord that heals in general, but personal. He heals me. He continues to heal me. He has paid the price for my healing, and so I am healed, and I believe I am. And it will come to pass if I continue to hold on to my faith in him. Amen? And so once we understand that that he's a personal, he's the personal healer. He's your great physician. He undertakes for you. He knows how to treat your case. He knows what you need. He knows how to bring you back to health and how to bring you back to wholeness. He knows how to do all of those things. And once you begin to trust him with your body and with your mind, with your soul, with your entire being, once you begin to do that, you re- it requires that you draw closer to him. I was mentioning that to Pastor Shirley. I said, I said, you know, I'm kind of getting a feeling that when the way we used to do things, you know, like I, I, I have a, 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 a symptom in my body. And I, I was telling her, I said, you know, we used to be able to hit this with a couple of scriptures and go winting and it was all over. I said, I've been winting, coming, going, upsy, downsy, somersaults, everything. I said, it's still here. 
at least a little bit. It's getting better, you know, but but I'm I'm saying I'm seeing this is gonna require a little work. <laughs> this ain't the, the quickie business that, that it used to be. And I just felt the Lord saying, Well, what do you have against being close to me? I'm thinking, wait a minute, hold it. Who said that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of this is for the purpose of just staying close to him. See, a lot of times we're close enough and he sends us on our way and and we can go rejoicing and 100% whole. And then there's sometimes things might linger for a season. Got to have put our, our, our shoulder to the plow a little bit more. Got to get a little bit more in the word. Spend a little bit more time. One thing or another thing. And, and um, it's just amazing how he knows what we need and he makes provision for it. Even though it may not be coming the way we think it's supposed to come. But it'll get here. See, that's his job to provide it. It's our job to believe and to obey and to trust him. So, yeah, there are some things that might linger for a season. You know what? That reminds me that it's not us. It's him that's doing it. And he's showing us it's him that's got to do it. Sometimes you can get things so so quickly with your faith and so quickly with God you get the sense that you know mm, you know I'm doing something you know it'll sometimes it'll just be a part of your your faith and, and a part of what you do that you lose sight of the fact who's doing it so it's up to God to get the glory the way he needs to get the glory see you can't even give him glory he has it already now you can thank him you can appreciate him you can get involved in the rejoicing of it you know and and really glorify him through your words but he has the glory all the time now he'll share it with us some you know what i'm saying he'll he'll give us our portion but long enough to get the job done and then we give it right back to him again amen he's a custodian of his glory and and our job really is to bring him glory through obeying his word through being that person that people know they can trust and they can count on when they need something from God that that you know you're to be that person you're to hold that up for him but as far as taking credit for it uh uh-uh. uh cuz if he don't move we don't get it amen and sometimes he has to remind us of that that it's not automatic amen i'm not a vending machine i'm god amen and so that pulls us over more into relationship see get to know him a little differently god i've been knowing you as a god who moved quickly on my behalf now i gotta know you a little bit different amen (laughs) a little bit different so so uh yeah and so it does require uh, when i say a revelation of him i mean something that god's gonna show us that we didn't know before and and it might be along the same lines, but in a different depth, in a greater understanding, in a more intimate way where it's more personal for us. That that we can understand that God really, really, really does love us, loves us immensely. Amen. And And that's what you get when you draw near to him. You get that sense of his love because you're engulfed in it. Uh, you... You realize that 
he doesn't have to demonstrate anything to us. You understand what I'm saying? Because usually with us, we've been satisfied with that little distant relationship. You know, where we do a little step and a little formula, throw him a few scriptures and keep it moving. You understand what I'm saying? So that's been working for us so far. And so why can't he let that work for him a little bit? Amen. And and keep us at a little bit of a distance until we meet that point where we surrender everything to him. And then he moves in and begins to reveal himself to us. Amen. I know there are times when I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm just going to press in for more. And I get depressing and I'm still at the same spot I've been. Amen. You can't just bombard. I like people would put these here. Let's bombard heaven. I said, heaven ain't hostile to us. You know, I remember back in the in the either nineties or early two thousands, people were writing books about the brazen heavens, like heaven is brass. And I'm thinking to myself, you got the kingdom within you. How is it hostile to you and hard for you to break into? Like we're sinners or something, you know? People sold all made all that money selling books full of nonsense. And they always do. Somehow Christians kind of like nonsense more than they like their Bibles. I'm thinking, burn the books. Go read your word. Amen. Amen. You'll see where Jesus says for us to say, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to bring heaven down here badly or he wouldn't tell us to ask for it. Anyway, so so healing does require a revelation of Jehovah Rapha. He's got to reveal himself to us as our healer. Amen. And so um, uh, uh, let me think. In uh, Exodus 15, he says he is the Lord who heals us. Let me go back here. And this has always been true. It's not that this is totally a New Testament revelation or it's it's prescribed for all believers now. It's a matter of it was a matter of the law before. Now it's a matter of faith. Totally. Amen. Law has been done away with. So he says he is the Lord who heals us when he healed the bitter waters of Mara. He made a statute and an ordinance for us to just obey him and we could walk in health. Amen. Uh, they did it in Israel when they they disobeyed God and plagues uh, broke out. They would make a sacrifice and, and repent and God would restore them to health. The blood has always worked to restore us to health. Amen. That's consistent throughout the word. So in Matthew chapter nine, we see a familiar person here. Oh, we just keep going here because I get something different pretty much every time I look at this this passage of scripture. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. She had to get close to get what she needed to get healed. So this is like a New Testament, um, I guess you could say, principle now. Um, if she could have been healed where she was at a distance, she would never have been sick. So sometimes your your case dictates that you get healed. I mean, you get closer. Uh, and it says here, Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, asked Jesus to come heal 
uh, her daughter, his daughter. It says in this passage, he tells Jesus, my daughter is now dead, but come and lay your hands on her and she shall live. So there's there's a conversation going on here. Uh, the writers, different writers of three different writers of the gospel um, tell us this story. So this must have been part of their conversation. Uh, and it looks like through another passage of scripture, the girl was alive when Jesus started out on this walk with Jairus. But at some point she died and somebody from his house came and said that, told him that news. And so this is part of the dialogue that Jesus has with him, except it's encapsulated here. So it looks like the daughter is dead and they know it, but he's got to continue on with Jesus so that he can get to the house and raise her from the dead. That was Jairus's idea for how his faith was going to work. You cannot easily change your idea from how your faith is going to work. It's got to work in concert with your understanding of the word, where your level of faith is. You have already decided a point of contact where you're going to release your faith for this miracle to happen. And so this is why Jesus would go with people. This is why he would, uh, you know, go through the lengths that he went through to satisfy what their faith had told them was going to happen. See, you can't violate your faith and get the results God wants you to have. You have to obey your faith in order to get these things. So it says here, uh, he arose, Jesus arose and followed him so did his disciples and behold a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment why because her faith told her she would have to touch his garment and she would be whole so here you have one person whose faith is telling him this man's got to come to your house another one who's saying just touch him and she'll be made whole Jairus could have saved himself a lot of sweat if his faith had said, just say the word. You know, sometimes we wonder, why? Why didn't you say that, Jairus? I mean, at least I do. You would have saved yourself the pain, the torture, the suffering of heaven. (laughs) Wait for this lady to get her faith and Jesus talk to her and deal with her. And then you got, he got to come over here and deal with me. Many times people let me see, how can I say this? You ever see people that go to a healing meeting and because they didn't get it the way they thought they were supposed to get it, they're disappointed and never go back? See, they haven't really talked to to the spirit enough to let their faith set it up for them so that they can receive the way they think they're thinking in their heads it's got to go this way where in their hearts the spirit of faith is telling them something else and they're not listening to the right voice because the spirit of faith would tell them listen come and let me talk to you about this like if you get a disappointment what do you do what do you do with that missed opportunity or what do you do with that 
disappointment where you thought it was going to go this way and it didn't go that way? How do you recover after you still you still have a need? The need's still the same. It hasn't been met. So what do you do now? Do you go away upset and dejected and angry? Or do you say, well, tomorrow night's another night. Lord, show me, is tomorrow night my night? You need to ask that first. Because sometimes your faith is not ready for tonight or tomorrow night. Come on now. You can't just switch it off and on. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to develop your faith to the point where you know you got it. So both of these individuals is being ministered to by the spirit of faith. Jairus has been told yours will happen when he comes and lays hands on her and that'll do it. The woman with the issue of blood is being told by the same spirit. Amen. That she's going to get hers by touching him. Both of them have got to get closer to Jesus. Jairus has got to get closer and she does too. Amen. She takes the initiative and she gets close first. Jairus is about to get close. Number one, he could have brought his daughter there. Got me? But the spirit of faith did not tell him that. Huh? See, God is so personal and so cares about us and is so loving that he'll allow us to have input into the circumstances where we receive our miracle. He'll allow us to have some input there. In Jairus' case, he's used to telling people, He's the boss at the synagogue. You got me? So in keeping with, and see, you you can understand this from the centurion's testimony. When he told Jesus, oh, don't come to my house. He said, my servant is sick and, and I would like to see him healed. And Jesus says, oh, okay, I'll come and see. Jesus offered to come. And he said, no, don't bother. I'm not worthy. But if you speak the word, he'll be healed. He doesn't even, he didn't even tell Jesus you had to speak the word in his presence. He said, just speak the word, period. And he would be healed. And why did he say that? Because God honored his understanding of how Jesus got things done. See, if you take time to work with the Holy Spirit and get understanding of how stuff happens, you'll have more stuff happening for you. See, we can't just jump up and get in the line and think that's going to fix everything. And the spirit of faith hasn't ministered to us. It's according to our faith what we get. And these people, one by one, you look at them and you realize this. These people came ready because they thought ahead of time of what it would take for this thing to happen for them. You understand what I'm saying? That's the purpose of faith. That's what faith does. It teaches us. It comforts us. It helps us. It gets us ready 
to receive what we need to receive our blessing. And so all of these individuals had taken some time to talk to God. And this is what we mean by getting closer. Getting closer means talking to him. Getting closer means seeking him in the word. Getting closer means getting peace that God is with you. And he's going to do this thing for you. As bizarre as it seems, as unusual as it may seem, this centurion tells Jesus, no, don't come into my house. I'm not worthy. I'm a heathen. You won't like it there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not fit for a holy man of God. But you just speak the word. He said, you know what? He said, I understand how you do things. He said, I'm a man under authority. I have no power of my own. He's looking at Jesus as a man under authority. See, and the disciples looked at Jesus as merely a man most of the time because they were always confounded when he did something miraculous. They were like blown out of the water. What kind of man is this? The wind and the waves obey him. And Jesus was telling them, you should do be able to do the same thing too with your faith. You put your faith in God. You can do the same thing I'm doing. And so the centurion, the, 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 yeah, the centurion tells him, I tell people do this. I tell them to go. They obey me. He said, because I answer to a higher authority. He said, and I believe you do the same thing. He said, I believe that so much that I believe you can talk and say that, that my servant's healed. And when I go back, he'll be healed. And exactly that happened. So God does not take us out of school to teach us. He teaches us in school. Amen. What what that means is the healing school that you're already in is, is excellent preparation for you to get whatever miracle you need. You don't have to abruptly jump ship and jump over into so-and-so's boat to get some revelation. God can work with what he's already built up. What he's got built up in you is valuable. The faith that he's put in you already is valuable. You don't have to make some abrupt change and do all these, uh, you know, uh, jump over hoops and all this kind of stuff to get your miracle or get your next answer or get a, a, a job or get more money or get a, a raise or anything like that. You know, God will reveal to us hidden treasures of darkness. There's opportunity, money, blessing all around us. We just ain't able to see it. We're in more darkness than we are light when you think about it because we're waiting on revelation. God just revealed to me where my bonus is. Revealed to me where my next uh, successful client is. Revealed to me. You don't have to go chasing every what you think is an open door. You can let the open door come to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He he will reveal these things to us. So when you think about it, God tailor makes you, tailor makes your faith, and then tells you how to use your faith to get what you need and releases it to you at the appointed time. So he takes care of the whole business. We just got to come close enough to him to get our answer. Amen. And that's where a lot of times we fall down. We, we're more comfortable taking a little revelation and running with it 
you know, you got about 10 minutes worth of revelation and you want to go three years on it. Amen. So you got to come back, get a refresher. You got to come back and get a, a get get a new perspective on it. You got to come back and have it have it make sense to you. Sometimes we get the basics of things and we don't get the true sense of it. And that's what God wants to do is give us more so that we can understand more so that we can have more faith to invest in what we need and, and faith that won't fail. Faith that holds up under pressure as much as we hate to think about it that way. But it's got to hold up under pressure in order for us to receive the things that we need. So uh, I believe that that he's helping us with this, with this aspect of drawing closer to him. When church was shut down and now a lot of churches are still shut down. I see some of these mega churches. I don't know how how they're standing because if they haven't been open in a couple of years, some of them, you know, don't let the the place fall apart. Pray and ask God, you know, what to do now, you know, because sometimes you're blessed because your congregation's small because everybody's small now, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you just got to gotta learn how to weather the storms. But, but know that God is there for us to draw closer, sometimes not having all this stuff. You know, getting rid of stuff, moving stuff out of the way, whatever that stuff is, can be an opportunity for us to get closer to him and get healed. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding that comes with your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us, keeping us. And we thank you for all that you do for us, Father, because you are holy and you are God. And you are worthy to be praised and adored. We love you, Lord. We magnify you. We lift you up. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. We thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for Brittany Griner. We thank you, Lord, to send laborers. Let everybody who comes near this girl be able to tell her truth and preach the gospel to her. That 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 worldly thing would come off of her that prideful thing would come off of her that she would repent and look up and see you lord reveal yourself to her in the way she needs to know you most right now lord and we thank you for that father in jesus name amen and praise god let's do our declaration i don't have rona and she don't have me i can't get rona and she can't get me Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.